Welcome back to the Upstate Coffee Collective podcast. New format. We're reviewing chips professionally. I don't prefer these. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. All right, good. I lost you don't want to review chips? I, Dude, if I reviewed chips, I'm, I'm already 20 pounds overweight, okay? No, I'm not talking about the things you eat. I'm talking about the classic cop show from like the 70s or 80s. Remember that? Chips? No. Oh. I was born in 92. I mean, all right. <laughs> there's only certain kinds of people that watch old stuff. I have I'm not the kind of person that's like, I won't watch anything that isn't on Blu-ray. But like, I also don't know like classic cop shows from the 70s or the 80s. I mean, you said <laughs> I'm you, great at trivia night, Matt. Yeah, that's I, what's I want up. you on my I want you on my team for trivia night. That's for sure. I, I just feel as if um, you ask me a lot of the time if I've watched something. And I, I don't haven't. ask. I assume you assume that <laughs> that I've watched things, and I just don't watch things. Yeah, I've watched How I Met Your Mother four times, though. Four? Oh yeah, easily four times all the way through. At what point do you feel your brain turning to jelly? I mean, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm it's kidding. already jelly. <laughs> Look, Tom Hanks, How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> Who else is on your list, Kevin? No, right, right. Hey, Matt, what's in your mug? Um, apparently a Kenyan double A from, uh, yeah, from dude. Maine. Kennebunk. We don't have the bag. We don't have the bag. Kennebunk Roasters. Kennebunk Roasters. Where, why do we have Kennebunk Roasters? Kev? My dad goes to Maine. We've been going to Maine since we were kids. So and cute. now like once we were not kids, they were like, cool, we're going to Maine, but we're leaving you here because you can take care of yourselves. <laughs> we need <laughs> so, mom and dad time. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, so no, they go to, they go to Maine, uh, once a year. Mm-hmm. And on their way back, they stopped. They stopped randomly one time at Kennebunk Roasters, and like they had no idea that there, it was actually a roastery. This lady's been roasting coffee for like twenty years. Um, I'm wow. trying to figure out how to get her on the podcast, but I think it's like pretty old timey. Like I don't, I don't even know. If, like, Does I, I don't she know what the situation the is there. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> um, the way my dad describes it, it sounds like it's pretty, uh, pretty like rudimentary, straightforward, pen and paper type place. Here's an idea. Yeah. We send her mail correspondence for three years until we until have compiled we have a podcast. Compiled a podcast. And then we worth hire an actress to voice <laughs> this woman on the podcast. Yes. Yeah. We don't drive there with podcast equipment. No, we just mail things back and forth. You said old really on this USPS thing, man. <laughs> buy stamps, people. Buy stamps. Buy um, stamps. <laughs> buy stamps so you can squash the tyranny. Yep. No, but it, so it's a Kenyan double A. Okay. Delicious. Now, I wh- love Kenyan coffee. Explain to the people, a.k.a. me, yeah. What a what it means when you say double A. It's grading size. Right. Comes down to grading size. Double so- A being the largest. The largest bean, bean size. Bean size. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And so is that also um is that also a descriptor of the varietal or is the varietal known or unknown? Not necessarily. She didn't put anything on the bag, so I'm not even gonna try to sure, like yeah. throw that out there. Uh I'm not gonna try to guess. I'm not that good with the coffee palette yet. But uh what? you not, not good that good buddy. palette. Not that not that good. Wow. We'll get there. I know we will. One cup at a time. Um I will alternatively say that it's a well, new name of this podcast, one cup at a time. One cup at a time. <laughs> Welcome back to one cup at a time. One, I feel so <laughs> dirty. That's 
It's just so <laughs> bad that it feels dirty. Yeah. Um, alternatively, what was in my mug prior to that? Because that's really what's in your mug. Yeah. What you have I was that? drinking some crew coffee cold brew. Yeah. Made by yours, your my truly, <laughs> yours my, truly, mine truly, yeah. Kevin Miner. Little cold brew, baby. It was good. It's been hot. I will say, you always leave cold brew like around me like yeah in my car in my fridge there's just cold brew I'm i just like, oh, leave, i leave coffee places there are bags of coffee in the world right now that i've just left at friends houses Including like they're mine. just there yeah yeah they're just there that's cool it's my gift i'm i'm kevin nicholas named after saint nick god damn it's it. my gift <laughs> um so who are we interviewing this week so uh today we're interviewing steven Salyers, yes. who is um, he's a, a vocalist. He's a community organizer. He is um, a damn good dresser. Fuck. The dude is stylish. Yeah, he is. Stylish. Have you seen him? Have you seen him? Oh my god, man! Yeah, he's... like you know, I like to dress up, right? That's I like I to dress nice. That's why I knew you guys would get along. We're best friends now. I know you have yeah. to be. We bought matching outfits during the podcast. You didn't see it. <laughs> We bought magic outfits. <laughs> now we're gonna go hang out. They're seersucker suits. I hope you're jealous. You can't. You can't spread fake news on our podcast. That's not like fake that, news. Kev. I'm doing it right now. Okay. Yeah. So Stephen Salyers, we met Stephen through uh, two mutual friends in Nashville. Dose. We have so many friends in Nashville now that we have to go. You know, we're we're required now. So many by social law to go visit Nashville. We're gonna become the Nashville Coffee Collective, and we're gonna know annoy everyone in nashville for the next two years that's the plan that's then we'll come back and we'll do upstate coffee collective classic like coca-cola right <laughs> but we'll do it like way faster <laughs> uh i don't have Can a response you even to that. handle me today no now no. you're on another level i love it i am um i'm pumped up sober <laughs> sober <laughs> pumped you up 16 days 16 days 16 days sober hey hey all right yeah yeah all it's right really cool. been 16 days since since the accident yeah bro wow yeah 16 days 16 days no car how's that been <laughs> <laughs> i mean square one <laughs> gypsy kev's back guys go, go <laughs> return to go <laughs> I, I, I I didn't collect two hundred dollars this time, but no, <laughs> no, the I, man I lost two hundred dollars. Return to go, lose two hundred dollars. At least I got a get out of jail free card. Oh shit! <laughs> Anyways, with that, please enjoy this interview with Stephen Salyers, where we talk about chips. No, we don't. <laughs> What their experience is of me is not my business, you know. So anyhow, yeah. thanks for the compliment on that. It's a, it's been a great honor to get to know you guys through these podcasts of my friends, and then following you guys, subscribing, and um, just sort of following y'all's journey and watching this thing grow. So it's you know my honor to be with you, and that you thought to reach out to ask. Oh, thank you, man. That's proper. That was like Southern gentleman intro right there. For sure. Are you from the South? I uh, yes, I was born in Eastern Kentucky, and I've been in Nashville oh. for most of my life in one setting. 
dude, that's awesome. Yeah. Matt, you were reaching for the mic here. I was, yeah. So um, I also want to thank you because that was a really nice intro. Um, your, uh, so, so our connection is uh, twofold, right? So um, we met you through the, the mutual connection of Troy Harmon, or Izzy Divine, rather, and Zach Rossi. You're also friends with Zach Rossi? Or do you know him, of him? So Zach has played guitar for me off and on for the last probably nine years. Very cool. Yeah. And the weird uh, thing is, is like, I had no idea. Like, he came back off one of the tours and I needed, like, a, to fill in for the band. And Troy's been my lead, like, my band leader and stuff and producer uh, for the last few years. So I had no idea they both were from the same hometown. They're a few years apart, but, like, they went to the You know, like, just the connection of that. And I have yeah. another Saratoga uh, connection with Scott Underwood, the drummer of Train, or original drummer train oh, yeah. i i remember yeah that's amazing i i i don't know if you knew this but uh all three of us troy um zach and myself all went to the same high school and it's really funny how those two guys went down i mean just separately like on completely different adventures with completely different um you know objectives and ended up kind of reaching out to each other and connecting and uh uh, yeah, so it's really cool how we've we've come to meet people in these kind of um, happenstance ways. I've noticed as we've as I personally have opened myself up to um, meeting new people through this podcast and through the Coffee Collective, um, it has it has brought me in front of so many people I don't think I ever would have met otherwise. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're so we're really excited to have you on. Um, we're gonna you were you were talking about so Kevin's real revved up today, and he just wants to he just wants to get he wants to get into it. And he was like he's like let's just jump right into it. And I love it. So we're gonna jump right in here. I'm gonna let perfect. You. We're gonna hit you right off the bat. Come on, serious question. What's in your buck? What are you drinking? So actually, it's a chai latte from Retrograde, which is a coffee shop here in East Nashville. Um, I know retrograde. You do. Okay, perfect. So from Instagram, I'm not like, I haven't been there. I'm not. <laughs> yeah. But I like, so when I lived in Germantown for the last seven years prior to the tornado, which we'll get to that, but um, I had my local coffee like right around the corner that I would go to. And it was like a mom, not mom and top, mom and pop like, but like when you walked in there, like, Steven, you know, it was like more oh, yeah. local. That was your spot versus like, that was my spot versus like the culture coffee places, which also exist in Germantown and East where I get anxiety getting up to the counter to order because I'm like, I don't know what I want. You know, like I'm pretty basic, you know? Yeah. And, um, and then when I order what I want then they just sit and decide like, when well, they're going to do the poor, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. so I had like my little local place in Germantown, red bicycle, shout out to them. Um, and I would go get a Cuban, like, you know, at least once or twice a week. Classic. But I have really bad acid reflux from coffee. And um, and so I had to sort of come off that for a while and sort of went to, I hate to say it, like sugar for Red Bull or, you know, natural energy juices. What do you say? How do you take your chai latte? Well, oh, Matt says he has that. Uh, too. I, yeah, so uh, first of all, yes, the current technical limitations of us podcasting over Skype right now requires us to have two separate mics. I have... Plenty of room for mics, but unfortunately, with with Skype, we got the one. So you're gonna have me like kind of ooh ooh me. <laughs> uh, 
but no, I, I share that same issue with acid reflux and coffee. Um, and, and I, you know, you start to listen to your body a little bit and, and know when it's time to take a break. Um, so I feel you there. Um, yeah. But for me, I as long as I have uh, a full stomach, then I can have a cup of black coffee and feel okay, you know? So that was just a comment, no question. I, how do you take your chai latte? It's steamed. It's uh, with almond milk. I mean, it's pretty, pretty not basic, but Bro, it's pretty yeah. basic. Yeah, I, I don't want it too hot, so I, and also don't like it like on ice. And also, like as yep. a kid, like I was like my grandparents would like pour us coffee, and we would just mm-hmm. chug it, and then I would burn my tongue and the taste buds. So I have a fear mm-hmm. with drinking hot coffee because I don't want that feeling, you know. Um, no. but this is a happy medium. I've been there a couple of times. They've got great sandwiches too. Um, but living now in East Nashville post tornado, like I feel like to be an East nasty, you have to drink coffee over here, you know? And so I'm not like up to the level of you all or of like going to the like prime spots for culture coffee. Um, but coffee yeah. for me was about com- community prior, like three or four years ago. Now it's like, I don't know what I want, you know, like I, I'm so yeah. basic when it comes to that. But um, anyway, today is a chai latte because I was going to be with you all um, from retrograde and it's with steam milk, almond, and it's cooled down. It's warm. Okay. I got a couple things of that. Um, one, coffee is totally always about community. I mean, li- like the way that you've been describing your experiences with coffee is that, you know, you have like the high end coffee culture and maybe that gives you a little bit of anxiety while you're there. But Maybe you just don't know someone there that well yet. But then you have the community aspect where like you've got your spot, you know, and I just hope that everyone eventually finds their spot as far as a cafe goes. Like I want everyone to have that ability, whether they're a New Yorkian or an East Nasty, which I love that term, by the way. <laughs> That's such a good term. It's, it's so good. Yeah. Is that what do you guys call yourselves East Nasties? Well, there's like a, I run, like I'm a runner. And so there's a running group called the East Nasties. And so like, awesome. I'm like, I always, whenever I lived, I've li- always lived in downtown Nashville since I've been here almost 17 years. But I always okay. thought like East Nashville was like Alabama, like it was a state away, you know? So like mm. even to come to some of my favorite restaurants, I would put GPS to come over here. And now I'm living here and I'm like, I'm not a hipster, you know, I, I don't drink coffee every day, you know, like all these things that like are associated with East Nashvillians, you know, and so um, I'm learning. Yo, <laughs> East Nashvillians? Yes, that's a thing. I love every term you guys have. I would move there just to have a nickname. <laughs> you should look up uh, an artist named Todd Snyder. He has okay. this, I mean, he's an incredible singer songwriter, but he has a whole record about East Nashville. So, okay. oh, sick. So you said you've been in Nashville most of your life mm-hmm. in one setting. So I've been here for 16 okay. years um, and this feels like home more than where my family is, if that makes sense, you know, for sure. So you you must have moved from Kentucky to Nashville at some point. What was that? Um, what was the driving factor behind moving there was it for music or was it something beforehand it was for music and um i actually moved from west virginia where i went to college at marshall university yeah cool. which is based off the movie we are marshall yeah um, yeah and so i you know almost to my senior year 
had been coming back and forth from Nashville just to like meet with songwriters and publishers. I was connected. I've been coming to Nashville since 2003. And um, there was just something, I was at a point in my life where there was opportunity here. And I knew that while I was a journalism major, like it was not meant for me to like give up any more of my life to finishing the degree. And I had like made connections and done internships around, you know, what I was doing there. But also like I was sort of a big fish in a small pond artist wise. So like my college professors were like, uh, Salyers. And I'm like, uh, present. You're not like Steven Salyers, like the artist. Right. You know, and I'm like, my my professors know me, you know, because I had done like the fair and, uh, and festival circuit. Yeah. And um, and so like I had connected with a uh, producer down here and had an opportunity that could possibly lead me to a record deal. And so I knew I jumped the ship and, and came on to Nashville and um, didn't look back of regretting that I didn't finish the degree. Like I, you know, came to Nashville, got a job and end up sort of like working my way up the chain without a degree, but gaining like executive leadership and just sort of real-time marketing and events planning and execution um in my nine to five life and then i would go out that evening and like network and the whole nine yards and i to this day i'm like jesus how in the hell did i like make it out of that because you know now i can't i gotta get (laughs) to bed as as early as 10 but as late as midnight you know right yeah but anyway um (laughs) But I think also like I my family had just ingrained in me that like unless you have a job, you don't need to go. You know, that sort of mentality. Yeah. yeah. And um, so I did get a job. And the gift of me is like I'm just a social person. So at the time I had long curly hair. Mm-hmm. And so every time I would go out, people would be drawn to me. We would connect. They would remember me. Like and so I started networking and open these relationships and just sort of became like my life really. And, um, and then it wasn't enough anymore. And I, the life that you were living at the time. So like, like the, your nine to five plus gigging and networking there, there was something missing still. Yeah. Okay. Because I, I found the job I was in and I worked there for like seven and a half years and they would like position me for events, like with artists and for events, but I could not, I mean, I would be fired if I told the artists I was working with, you know, sure. for instance, Little Richard, Donna Summer were two of my like talents that we did events with. Uh-huh. But I knew that I was there to like be the talent person for the event. And if I said anything about music, like I would be fired, you know? Right. But with Little Richard, he saw me, you know, so I'm like, Hello, Mr. Richard. I'm I'm here. Like I'm taking care of you. We got this media event, and we're gonna go here. He's like, "Tell me, what? Where are you from?" I said, "Well, I came from my mom. I'm from Eastern Kentucky. Can I call you Kentucky?" I said, "Just call me whatever you want." I guess. Yeah, right. You know. And so he's like, "But what else do you do?" So he was reading my energy, right. you know. And yeah. I'm like, "Well, I um, I'm here. I do this. I do this." And now I would say I just bring the imagination to life because that's truth, you know. <laughs> sure, sure. And um, and so he just kept digging and digging because he saw the energy is 
really what people read, essentially. The front man vibe, right? Totally. And yeah. it's, it's, a, not a, it's a light. And I hate to use mm. that word because I used to like roll my eyes when people are like, you're such a light. Now I'm like, you protect your light with your fucking life. Can we Love cuss? That. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is a super explicit podcast. <laughs> and it, it's only, I have a, I have a potty mouth. Kevin's actually pretty good about cursing, but no, please continue. Yeah. I'm fucking great. <laughs> but anyway, um, and then like, I wanted to keep the job because, you know, paying for rent, like you don't know what you don't know about like coming to Nashville. And really mm. all I really came here was like, because I was told that if I, you know, record these songs, there's a record deal waiting for you. So I say like music brought me to Nashville, but Nashville was about me meeting my life. So I was born in Kentucky, but I was freed in Tennessee. And I I would tell you this, that like in 16 years of being here, I, before it was even like a thing, like I became a public figure of like just connecting people. I remember like being pissed off that like I couldn't play at the Bluebird because like you had to audition. I couldn't play at the Douglas Corner because you had to audition. So I'm like, I, I want to play, you know, and I so I, I'll develop my own show. So I like I connected, found a venue, started the Steven Sires Monday Night Social that one would be free for artists to get into. Two would have a beer and drink special and food mm. special. Three would be a community to where I would connect songwriters together that like were you know hit writers with newcomers and so i did that because out of like the resistance of like i was being declined to play shows you know right and so angry at that and um so i developed what i called the steven salyers monday night social once a month for nine years okay nine years i would do three hours of music and the venue would give me a little bit of kickback you know just as a sort of a now it's, I mean, promotion check, but the work that goes into like booking 12 songwriters on one night, once a month and getting people to come is difficult. And at that time, like Big Kenny of Big and Rich had his own like monthly show. There was like three other writers that were like doing these big shows. Mm-hmm. And I never looked at them as competition, but people would come because me, they liked me. I was kind. I was I gave everyone full attention every time that we were in conversation. And you created that community, um, which is like a, a common theme I keep seeing is, you know, somebody that that wants that aspires to fill a gap somewhere and, and you know, f- like fulfill a need or, or a service of some sort. You're creating a community. You're, you're reaching out to people who are like minded and you're you're basically opening up your your doors to them so what people are drawn to and i'll i'll quote you by saying but they're drawn to your light and they're drawn to your um your excitement for what you do and your vibe right so uh i love that you said i want to mention um you, you said one thing that stuck with me which was um that what you were doing at the time so i'm thinking if you said like 16 years this is probably like oh three or so or oh four you said oh five so you you said like this wasn't enough, like what you were doing was not enough. And I see that in a lot of the people that we meet that go on to create something great and to do great things. They always have that moment that, you know, like in the moment is is painful 
and is full of doubt and maybe even regret where they go, this isn't enough. This isn't what I thought it would be. Um, and that is sort of the catalyst that drives them to go and then create that really great thing. So for you, you know, the, the first thing you started with was the Steven Sawyer's, what was it, Monday Night or uh, Monday Night Social, Social, you know, and then for and then all the things that happened afterwards. So I I guess um, do, do you does that make sense to you? Does is that uh, what, am I characterizing that correctly? That was sort of a catalyst that drove you to then like try harder. Yeah. Yeah, because like, you know, knowing that I had a record deal on the table when I first came to town, pretty much I was working toward that. OK, and that was pretty much promised. And then that all fell apart because like the producer was like just shady, you know, and yeah, it was about me wielding my mm-hmm. power, like instead of like begging for someone else's attention to give me a sense of validation. Um, and so then the night that I built, I enjoyed and I got to perform and then, you know, mm-hmm. wrote with a lot of writers from that. And then I also recognized like there was a year of transition to where I was going into 2015, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or 2016. Out of 2015 on New Year's Eve. And I'm like, I'm great at this. I'm great at singing, writing. I'm great at booking, like handling legendary artists who trust me at events. I know millionaires and homeless people and treat them equally. But that's not enough anymore. And so, like, I have to know, universe, God, whatever, that, like, as I step into 2016, that, like, what is – what is it I'm supposed to do? I'm great at a lot of things. Take everything away that's not meant to have my name on it for my highest good with joy and service to all. Even if I've chased it my whole life, take this motherfucker away. Mm-hmm. That prayer, which came not from resisting or resenting anything. I was on a hike at Lake Radnor. That prayer changed everything and be careful what you ask for because my life was drastically just like falling apart including like cutting my family and like friends that i'd known most of my life completely off and falling off the grid into silence because i was bruce wayne and batman and i wore a thousand other hats at the same time And I was everything to everybody, but it wasn't enough. And I Mm -hmm. recognized that stuff went away. This got stronger. The voice became stronger, more clearer, and more free. And the stuff that went away was very painful. Um, But I would find, you know, friends like, hey, have you ever heard of, like, The Hero's Journey by Joseph Campbell? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I haven't, but let me look it up. And so I look it up and I read this and I'm listening to a podcast around Joseph and I'm like, oh, this makes sense. You know, it's all about like the yep. call to adventure, leaving the life you've known, following the path. And along the way, you finding like not spiritual teachers, but you find connections along the way that like give you advice or give you yep. wisdom. And so I found myself on this without being able to explain to my family what was happening But I'll tell you, friends, like my parents were 16 years old when they had me. I was a surprise. Mm. And so I raised 
them as they try to raise me. (laughs) And so my whole life, I didn't recognize, like, I carried the weight of the world physically. I I weighed 240 pounds when I graduated high school. And I look back at those pictures. I looked like a 38-year-old man when I graduated, you know? And so, like, I've become, like, more leaner and more thinner, like, more just free in my body yeah. uh, as I get older than I did when I graduated high school. And then I recognize, just to not go completely therapy couch on you all, but I recognize like the Steven Sires money that social I brought in because I wasn't seen as a kid. So what did I do? Come to Nashville and build this show and community where everybody wants to be my friends. Everybody wants to play my show. Everybody wants to come to my party. And I yeah. recognize like, oh, that's because of that. And that's not OK. Like, it's fun while it lasted. But there has mm-hmm. to be more for you, you know. Yeah. And, and I, I watched, you know, friends that I met through that network was like getting cuts. I was riding with them. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Or like, am I in this disempowered place where I'm asking these people who play my shows to write mm-hmm. with me because of. I had this sense of power over them, you know, like, and it was just interesting. From that, I started a nonprofit, the Stephen Salyers Charities Foundation, 501c3, for needy and better kids. And my heart, listen, has always been for others, you know, just to like mm-hmm. give what I can, be generous, to see the potential in somebody else, and, you know, either put a round on and raise $500 or do a black tie event and raise you know, $10,000. And then, you know, the flood happened in 2010 and I put this event on and and through networking and connections, you know, met like corporate people that that were from all over the country. And, um, you know, after the flood happened, everybody reached out like, we should do a benefit, which meant like, you should plan this and we'll play. (laughs) And so we did and we raised like five grand and then I reached out to like, Clear Channel at the time and a couple other people I'd met, like, hey, could you match what we raised? Because my friends yeah. and I are just two and a half weeks out of this flood. We raised five brands. Could you match it? No response. And then I remember wow. like six months later, I get a call or a text like, hey, Stephen, I'm in town. Um, this is so-and-so from Clorox. Um, mm-hmm. And I think we can help what you guys did. Oh, and wow. I'm like, what? Well, and he's like, I'm at the station in. I'm getting a cab. We're going to go see Bob Schneider. I said, I live next door to the station. I'll pick you up and then we'll go. And so I picked this awesome. gentleman up. He's like, I was like, I was afraid you wouldn't remember me because Nashville is like handshake town, you know, and then you go on. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, I couldn't forget you. He said, well, we're going to, we're going to match the $5,000, you know? And so I watched from that event, $10,000 be raised for this nonprofit and how the influence could affect a bigger need. Okay. And so through that nonprofit work, you know, I end up raising like a million dollars for needy and better kids and then underprivileged communities. And yet it wasn't enough. Like something in me was like, have I been doing this for the, the right the right cause like what is it i want like i'm you know again i'm great at a lot of things but like what is it i'm here to be or to do you know Mm -hmm. and so um 
all that being said, friends, is that on this side of a lot of accomplishments and a lot of connections and respect and just people, you know, reach out and like show me that I'm beloved mm-hmm. and I'm X, Y, and Z. But it's just been an internal homework assignment to yeah. be content knowing that doing nothing, I have everything. And I need nothing or anybody's validation of anything, if you will. What do you think you would say is the hardest part of that internal homework assignment? Um, the unbelieving, the unwiring of the limited expectations that I put on myself based on everyone mm-hmm. else's like, well, you should lose 10 pounds. You have too big of a voice. You X, Y, and Z is this, this is why you're not moving forward. It's the unbelieving mm-hmm. of that to meet this space of grace where, you know, I'm not looking outside of myself for the answer or for the referee, if you will. We just did, um, we just did a podcast episode last week um, focused, centered around mental health. Uh, Kevin and I have have both been through, uh, you know, a, a difficult time at one point or another throughout our lives or two. You know, Kevin has most recently been dealing with a little bit of depression. Um, and we talked very openly about that. And, and so, you know we're still very sensitive to that and and that's you you could see us both kind of peek right up when when it it got to this topic because you know self love is the probably yeah by far the most challenging type of love mm-hmm. out there right and we can give ourselves to others we can make people like us by being socialites by being friendly or helpful or gracious but when we come home at night and it's just ourselves and our thoughts, how do we figure out how to give that same amount of energy and love to ourselves, whether it's by meditating, by taking care of yourself, not for other people, right? Not to get skinny. So other people think that you're good looking, but so that you know that you're being good to yourself. That is, that is the ultimate human struggle that I think every person goes through. I, I would, I would venture to guess nobody uh, is ex- exempt from that feeling. So do you think that living in a place like Nashville, which is very go, 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 very entertainer forward, um, does that make it more difficult or have you maybe grown into yourself uh, as you have grown up as, a, as an adult in Nashville? Sure. That's a great question. And because like I was under the mentality that like networking and hustle the flow all those those hot button words was how you like move up or you get in with the people all that Mm -hmm. shit yeah b s okay and this is why because at the end of the day um and i don't i enjoy the power of being in a room of people that are creatives and that like Mm -hmm. who are inspired to be there and and they're in and they're inspired from your inspiration but mm-hmm. again, this goes back to the internal work. I realized I, I poured out on an empty cup my whole life to my family. I was like the singer, the artist. I, would, I fed them and I like get to this point in my life in Nashville. I'm like, I'm empty, you know, and people mm-hmm. enjoy me on stage. So I think it is 
remembering like you should have always been first on your list, first and foremost, mm. before you did the grind, the hustle, the the networking, the building, all the things that like, including social media is a narrative that is based off someone else's limited human narrative. And so you're trying to meet up to that to influence and affect and build momentum to gain success. And guess what? At the yeah. end of the day, you're still looking at yourself in the mirror in your bed, reflecting yeah. with only what you know and what I know mm -hmm. and what no one but you and I choose to call God knows. And that doesn't go away despite millions because let me tell you, friends, people who are friends of mine who have gazillions of dollars, okay, in big houses are like fat cats starving to touch what I feel. Alive, mm. inspired as I go or as I acknowledge the birds and the nature and just the masterpieces of life, doing nothing, just simply being me. That's, that's the truth. Yeah. And if you can find that abundance – doing nothing without anyone's else approval, then you are in what I call the fountain of richness, which is like what's true in life, you know? And then mm -hmm. you get to choose how you go out and build a company, build a podcast or build a profile mm -hmm. from an inspired place, but not out of a place of fear or the wounded human side of us for me that came as a kid, you know? And, um, but I appreciate yeah. you all sharing your vulnerability of mental health and being open to figuring out like how how it's affected your life up until this point and how it's preparing yeah. how it's preparing your life for what's next. Two questions. All right. So you said you said uh, the being that I call God. You go to church. I do. Yeah. Do you speak at your church? I do not. Okay, because you totally just hit me like the cadence that you had right there and the way that you were presenting the things that you had learned remind me of like a pastor. Well, that's thank you. I'll take that as a compliment. You're welcome. This is why, because. And I still like volunteer on worship at a church here in town, but I also yep. recognize that church is not about freedom. It's about like control. Mm -hmm. And and I recognize with great compassion what their duty is here for mm -hmm. right now. But in my heart and people ask me all the time, you know, like if I meet people randomly that like I am drawn and I'm super attuned on a level that like I can't explain, but I know, you know, and so like if I yeah, if I'm drawn to someone and I'm like, oh, I need to allow this space to have a conversation and I watch this divine appointment us communicate and they're like, well, um, what's the name of the church? You know, I, I, I never forget. There was a lady and her husband who had come from Florida after the hurricane two years ago. And mm -hmm. I'm on a run here in like in Germantown and my intern, like my soul was like static, like the TV static coming to, picture okay like yeah. this lady's looking around and i know like oh i, I need to stop and i was like are you looking for something and she said well, i'm looking for this address fourth avenue blah 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 that's where i'm staying i said well this is fourth north but fourth south is that way but i knew mm -hmm. we were to meet and 
She said, well, I've just been here for a couple of days. Like my husband and I came because Tampa, like the hurricane chased us out and his company's here. And I feel like I need to stay another day. And so we're walking like mm-hmm. towards the bus. Okay. And I said, well, listen, I said, with all due respect, if I just left a hurricane and my heart's telling me I need to stay another day, I think I probably should listen to that. And mm-hmm. she said, well, my husband says, I got to get back to work and all this stuff. She said, I've worked three jobs my whole life and I enjoy that. And she was like, as a kid, I'm literally walking this lady to the bus, okay, to get her back to her hotel, like 250 yards. And she said, um, and my husband just wants to work because he said, that's his love language to me. She said, I fell and broke my foot and I lost one of my jobs. He says, let me just take care of you. She said, but it doesn't speak to me. I enjoy working. And I said, friend, Mm -hmm. there has to be a fork in the road where you can honor him and you can honor you. She said, my dad was poor and a drunk. We didn't have a dime. I said, so guess what? You brought in a man who wants to take care of you with his Mm -hmm. money and his job. She was like, well, what am I supposed to do? I'm 50 years old. I said, that's between you all. I said, I have to believe there's grace in finding that tension. And so I'm literally telling the bus driver, like, she's going to the courtyard, this address. She said, what? And I'm putting her on the bus. She says, wait a minute. What's the name of the church you go to? I said, the huh? church. I said, the voice that speaks when no one else is in the room. And I and I was like, I don't even know her name. And then she went on. <laughs> but that conversation was divine. And I knew that it planted yes. a seed. And I wasn't trying to be anything but me. And mm-hmm. so I knew that like our conversation planted a seed and how that plays out. It's not my business, but mm-hmm. it was for me to be aware, like, oh, I need to stop and give this lady directions. And so, you know, I always say people are like, um, where do you go to church? You should be a preacher. I'm like, uh-uh. I mean, I like to say the F-bomb. My song, I got a single called I The mean... Truth. Which, you know, <laughs> and I said, but that comes from God, too. I said, the, the church, the Garden of Stephen is what I call you know, the, the garden. <laughs> I love it. I love that. The ever. garden of Stephen. Yeah, that's right. Um, first off, we listened to your music before we started the podcast, right? We've we've already heard it. We we heard it a while ago, and then we kind of like we're refreshing ourselves on it. First off, you have a great voice. Thank you. Yeah, your voice is awesome. Um, it, it's especially present in that song, "The Truth," right? Mm-hmm. That's really that's a really good single. Thank you. Um, the other thing is like it's just blowing my mind that you're not a public speaker in some other facet right now. I mean, here here you are. You've organized community events. You've been on this crazy journey for like 16 years in Nashville. You've navigated all the corners of success. You've like gotten. It seems like you've gotten every nook and cranny of lesson that's come your way. And not only been able to process it, but to filter it in a way that you can bring it back out and give it back to other people so that instead of pouring out that empty cup, like you were saying, you have now this filled cup, like maybe to the brim of just lessons and experience that you can impart on people. And I just like, I feel like I'm, I'm really excited to see what you do in the future musically. And I kind of have the feeling that I'm going to hear about you being a successful public speaker in some format in the future as well. Thank you. And I, I, yeah. pre- I really do appreciate that. Like I know that 
there's world stages that I'll be on and vocally mm-hmm. is where I want to be. However, I yeah. don't dismiss the fact that like I speak from truth. And so yeah. even when it hurts, I still, if it's inspired, you know, I, I post on Instagram during the like third month of quarantine, I'd gone to Walgreens in my old neighborhood and there, I have a mask on. There's a plexiglass when I check out and the lady's like, I said, how are you? And she says, I can't complain. And I said, well, I'd listen if you want to. Oh, wow. She man. starts, she starts weeping, like weep. And we stood there. And just because I gave her the moment of like, if you wanted to, I would listen. She, yeah. she cried and cried. And I didn't ask what was behind those tears. But I witnessed the presence of like truth, wherever mm-hmm. that conversation, whatever that freed that flood is grace. And mm-hmm. I just saw how powerful, like when people typically ask, how are you? They really don't want to know. They, they're not able anymore to like have the capacity to hear it all. But like we just stood there and I, like my, my heart was like bursting as I stood and let her cry, you know? And yeah. um, again, I don't know her story, but I don't need to. If she wanted to share, I would have stayed. But someone gave her this space that's not been given to her before and gave her the opportunity to release that, you know, and, and that's everything. But I also like, you know, I have a friend in, in town that like she used to say, Stephen, you're like Nashville's Oprah. And I'm like, I don't want to be Nashville's Oprah. I mean, that's a compliment. <laughs> that's a compliment. But I'm so much yeah, more than that, that. And I've always wanted to be Oprah. Well, I mean, who doesn't? Was your response to her when she asked, when she said that to you, was your response, uh, "Look under your seat"? I mean, you know, I, I was like, you know, <laughs> I, I was born to live on be- my best life. But um, but people say guru and stuff. I'm like, no, listen, guru means G U R U. You know, that's Ooh. so each of us are gurus on our own level. You know. So I'm just Steven, however that plays out. You know, the, we, I was like flailing my arms and, and kind of laughing at myself because uh, I, I told a story to Kevin last week that is almost identical to your story um, at the, was it a Walgreens at the, at the, at the store? Right. I also gave somebody a moment who seemed like they were in a little bit of a bad mood and I just took a, an extra second to actually say, hey man, how's it going? Like, how's everything going? And he actually, I, I hadn't yet given him the space. It it could have been, uh, translated as just another greeting. Right. Um, but he took a moment and said, you know, not, he's like, I think he said, uh, I've been better. Thanks. Or something like that. And, and I gave him the space and I said, listen, you know, whatever's going on, man, like, I, I hope you get through it. And, uh, you know, and thank you for being honest when I actually, when I asked you, how your day was because like you said we're, we're all kind of programmed it's this weird social construct for us to go yeah no everything's great everything's fine or the worst is living the dream that sarcastic Ooh, piece of shit right that sarcastic piece of shit response the one i hate in the south is blessed and highly favored i'm like what does that mean blessed high blessed, blessed and highly and favored, highly favored you know Oof. 
Yeah. That's living the dream. That's the I, Southern living the dream. I, I, like, yeah, exactly. In New York, <laughs> in New York, we just passive aggressively go living the dream, which means uh, we're all fucking miserable. <laughs> do you know what I say when people ask me that? What do you say? They say, how are you? And I say, like never before. Because that's the truth. Oh, that is true. All right. Good, bad, or ugly. It's never been. And so here we are. Or I say I'm happy to be here because that beats the alternative, you know? There you go. Both of you guys. Let's let's open up the conversation a little bit. Do you think maybe like one of and this is a partially a rhetorical question, but at the same time, like, do you think maybe one of the big cultural lessons that we're learning during not just this year, but maybe like what we'll look back on as a it's sort of like a, a zeitgeist or an epoch is that we need to care more about how we are ourselves and care more about how other people are themselves. I'll respond first. Um, yes, because until you address the first question completely, you'll never be able to receive or know the valid, the value of the other person's response. Okay. So it's not about us fixing somebody or giving them five steps to their best life and motivating them because I recognize like, you know, people are stirred by my words when I do choose to speak in Uber or whatever. But this is not about me fixing them because at the end of the day, God's like, if somebody comes to your page and is like, you're so motivational, you inspire me so much, that is a backhanded compliment because they're lazy to do their own work. So they can come and feed off me, but like they still at the end of the night or day have to do their own homework internally. You know, as I say, nobody knows what you know when you touch that heart, what it's been through to get here, what's written on it to come alive or what it's dealing with in the moment. So I can't fix that. I can just mirror for you or for anybody like what's possible and that is hope beyond what you find at church or in a at Tony Robbins sermon or at a guru book or anything like that. You still have to do the work. But I think each of us are a mirror for what's possible. And, and also just um, unified pain that like no one gets a bypass on the pain of this human experience, you know? Right. Man, the the only thing that I'll attempt to add on to that is um, what what I hope we learn and continue to learn as a culture is to, and and I think that this isn't a worldwide thing. Um, I think this is a more more of an American problem, which is um, waiting for your turn to talk rather than listening and waiting f- and and. Uh, and waiting for a question. What I, what I mean by that is, is listening intently um, to somebody first instead of spending the, the downtime, you know, thinking about what you're going to say next for you, right? We're all, a lot of the time, um, what we say to people is like masturbation. And what I mean by that is that we're talking to make ourselves feel good instead of um, trying to connect with somebody or improve their lives, we're listening to ourselves talk. And I would like to see more 
listening to others. Mm. That's it. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that's not like that's it. not my experience, but I I feel you. Yeah, that's not why I do the Tony Robbins, you know, mastermind class because like that's that's lovely and that the intention around that is good. But at yeah. the end of the day, you have to do the homework. You know, you have yeah. to like allow what you're living to be. So I I I appreciate that and I, you know, echoing what you said like this time 2020 is not about well, we all got to be positive. I'm like, no, right. friends. There's a reason that all this uproar and negativity that we – don't you say that has come up because it's allowing each person to have a voice and to mm. say what they feel and mean what they say, you know? Absolutely. And and just to clarify, my uh, my desire for for that in in culture is is really like inspired by you and in the and the way that – that you you seem to connect with people in a more genuine way. That's what I'd like to see in more people, because um, I've had plenty of experience with the opposite. That's for sure. Especially us New Yorkers, a lot of talkers, not a lot of listeners. <laughs> He's right. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, I got you. Hey, just uh, have that. Whatever coffee, I want to put it over. Right. Okay. Matt's having coffee. We're having coffee over here. Oh, yeah, I mean, go figure. What's in our mug is a Kenyan double A, bro. Uh, but no, I want to keep this conversation going. Absolutely. Um, so, Stephen, you, you're delving into a new realm in music mm-hmm. uh, for you, right? Like this, these two singles that you have out right now that I've listened to are part of like a new branch of your musical journey. Yes. Mm-hmm. What's that been like, and when did that start? That's a great question. Um, well. We're only as free as we're ready to be. Mm-hmm. And what I know for sure is my voice, you know, from that walk at Lake Ridner here, like, take this mother away. If this ain't it, mm-hmm. that's okay. This became stronger and more free. And I remember, like, going to a vocal coach years ago, like, because people were like, you scream when you hit high notes and all this stuff. I'm like, am I doing something wrong? And him turning to me and being like, no, you're just a freak. Like you have something that like is different. Mm -hmm. So you're doing everything right. And so in my own liberation, you know, and every single detail, like even Troy and I connecting was by happenstance. And, you know, he was a sub Mm. player for my band and, but it was scheduled to happen. And I recognize it like for the first time, I connected with someone I could trust that I had no karmic energy with, meaning like he had moved to Nashville. So he didn't know my past. He wasn't trying to get anything from me. And so like, Mm. I recognized for the first time, like, Oh, like I can, this person sees me and like, we have an inspired connection. And so we Mm. wrote the first song, which is going to be the next single, the razor blade. And then, you know, Three other songs, two of them, which you all have already heard and we've released, um, and those were ready to roll out this year. Um, but I told him, like, even in the whole process of, like, how I had a fear of not finishing, you know, like, and how I just wanted to mm-hmm. release this project without expectation of, like, who would like it, what I would get from it, you know, all of that stuff. And also, like, I would lay in bed for the first time at night hearing these demos back and cry like enjoying hearing my voice because i used to hate 
how I sounded. And I knew that writing these songs with him, because, you know, I used to write three times, four times a week with people mm-hmm. and simplifying the process to him. And then we brought in his roommate at the time, Justin. And then, you know, I would bring in other writer to write these with us. It was about me having a safe space just to like let what, what I was feeling to come out and having a space of not needing it to be, you know, structured or anything perfect. And he has a gift of like one being patient. And I tell him that all the time. I was like, you are one of the most patient people I've ever met, you know, and you have every reason not to be with me because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm an artist, you know, <laughs> but also, yeah. are you a perfectionist too? I am. And super, yeah, I like <laughs> I'm late, I'm over the top, like I'm set in my ways and I'm unafraid to like, I don't need you to like me, but I need mm-hmm. me to like be who I am. And so how it affects people makes it difficult to have relationships, you know, that are healthy, but he has this patient side of him that like has been a gift to my life that like I've never known before. And he needed nothing from me, you know? So I trusted him on a level as I was healing from, you know, like just discovering my voice and, and just uh, like what I wanted to say was coming out like the truth, you know? And um, he, he was able to help sort of pull the voice out of me, you know, and having a great vocal coach. Um, So the songs were sort of done, ready to go out this year. And I thought, Oh, we got this plan to roll out. And then March Mm -hmm. 3rd, everything changed. Everything changed. For everybody. Oh, my God. So, yeah, the music, the look, um, you know, yeah. I've always been over the top larger than life artist. I was a theater major. That's good. When I first started college, um, enjoyed being on stages. I've performed for 50,000 or more, you know, and mm-hmm. um, and then even in Nashville, when I first started serving at the church as a volunteer, no one knew my name. But like I would come out at the end that would feature me on a on a Sunday and people would stop me in Uber cars, men, grown men, turn, we, uh, when I saw you sing this experience, I was going through this in my life. I got stopped in the Miami airport of all places. This woman has this, mm-hmm. she said, I saw you sing here. A lady told me one Sunday, she said, I was in prison last year. And they played this church through the TV. And now I'm out on this Easter and here you are. Like, I saw you and heard you. So I was like, wow. intense, intensely like receiving this connection. And then mm-hmm. God's like, yeah, but Steve, remember, like, don't you prostitute that hard on grace? Because what you've fought through to free this, what you've walked through to this point in life is hard earned grace, effort and grace. And so mm-hmm. allow them to have their experience, but you don't need validation. You don't need to fix anyone's life. How they receive you is everything. That's between God and them. You know, so like just the realization of like, you know, people be like, I thought you have a record deal, all this stuff and not project on me. But for the first time, I'm like, I'm making this music because I want to, not because I need yeah. anybody to hear it, you know? So that's been liberating to like be here and release this music in 2020 and know it's time. I knew this mm-hmm. year was going to be my year. I just thought it would look a lot different. And, um, <laughs> and mass, so, I assume. <laughs> yeah. And so um, I've been obedient to remain true to what I plan to release, including in the middle of a pandemic when my life is just completely upside down. I have Mm -hmm. to trust that, like, 
no, it's scheduled for you, Stephen Salyers, to, to put this out. And however it reaches people is not your business, you know? The outcome is not my business or yours. It just is the way it is, you know? Oh, yeah. It seems like a, a lot of what you're talking about, um, it almost seems like you became aware of these artistic scales that you have. And you've been finding that balance and all of these counterweights have been presenting themselves, maybe because you've been a little more present and you've been a little more dialed into how you want to be and how you want to represent yourself and your truth with people. And, you know, along come these counterweights, like the patience that you find in Troy or, you know, the ability to bring out these songs that you've found with your vocal coach and these opportunities that are coming your way. And it's all happening because maybe you're dialing into who you really are and who you really are has a little extra intuition. Yeah, and the the gift of my awareness is also the downfall of my awareness. <laughs> you know, I mean, because oh, yeah. the gift of being so attuned and see that there is no in-between line between the internal world and the real world. There just isn't. Yeah. And really, like, I say to people, like, to be so aware is a gift and a challenge because – People say we have to balance, but there is no balance in life, friends. You know, like I'm aware that one foot is in the real world human side of the pool where I have to go to work and make money. But but that's an awareness like I'm choosing to do that. But this is Mm -hmm. who I am. This is what gives me joy. This is what is effortless. And this is what feels like joy rises when I do it or I'm present to it. And that when that does, it is contributing that joy to rise in others, you know, in, oh, in yeah. conversation, in songs, on stages, or simply just being present. And I remember a point about three years ago, I was at CVS, and I'm in gym clothes, and there's a mom checking out. She's got this little tiny baby in the, in the stroller, and it's looking at me, and I'm like, I want to connect inside. I'm like, God, I want to connect to this baby. Like, I want to connect to this baby, if this ba- you know, just internally, okay? And on point, that baby looks up at me, <laughs> and the mom turns around, and she says, she looks at me, and I was like, oh, I, I think it sees something it likes, you know? But it just showed uh-huh. me, like, it doesn't know what I do, what I have in my yeah. bank account, or don't, who I know, or, like, it sees the gold in me that it knows in it. You know, mm. and that sort of just bookmarked everything for me because it did mean something to be the flashy one in the room years ago. You know, yeah. it did mean something for celebrities to like come over and pat me on the back, say it's good to see me. And then it wasn't enough, you know, and I think that's yeah. the point that we all get to the like, especially as artists or innovators or whatever your dreams and sights are in life. Mm-hmm. that that never stops and you can't undo that. But once you see like something no longer feeds you, then you have to be present to in the silence. Like, what is it I want? Why am I here? Like, what is it? You know, as I put in my journal yesterday, like what epiphany, what knowing beyond what I know for sure is happening to write my own book of revelations for my life right now. 
what would you say in this transitional period, both musically and personally, you've learned that's been the most helpful for you that you maybe didn't know before? That uh, irregardless of anything, that from the day I was born to the day that I'll die, which hope, hopefully is a long time, that I was scheduled <laughs> to be here right now and this mm-hmm. time doing exactly what I'm doing, mm-hmm. as you both are, as anybody is, that we're scheduled oh, yeah. to be here as, as, as much as we're scheduled to be born on X, Y, and Z at such and such time. Like It's been written for us to be here doing exactly what we're doing or not and not to get into what all is fear-based like which you know we're living i'm not getting political but you know the megaphone of the world we live in happens to be from a man behind the curtain that Mm -hmm. lives from fear and so each day that is what greets the morning to the collective Mm. and so i'm aware that I'm scheduled to be here. And that passion, that fire, the, the songs, the, the ideas, the conversations are just divinely scheduled to happen as much as it's scheduled for, you know, the world to be falling apart, you know? And I, yeah. I always say that to my artist friends because it's, I mean, I've seen friends friend on Facebook that have moved home who've been here for 10 years, 15 years, like, They've packed up and moved back to their hometown. I'm like, my God, that's that's never been a thought for me. But like it mm-hmm. breaks your heart because like they don't know anything else. And they need yeah. something comfortable to remind them of what like made them happy, you know? And so I would say to myself, like, you are scheduled to be here right now during what is definitely the most unconventional time in American history. What you mm-hmm. choose to do right now is part of the story, as long as you remember, like you are creating the narrative as your part, you know, it's probably yeah. a little deeper than you expected, but no, no, I love that answer. That's exactly as deep as I want. We, we go very deep in this podcast. We've got, <laughs> we've gotten pretty heady. So that's, that's perfect. That but fits I think the we got one last question, right? Uh, yeah, I have, uh, I have two questions. Okay. Uh, number one is probably the question you're thinking of, which is, uh, what's your jam? So you have options here, too. You can uh, it could be a, a, an artist or a specific record or even a podcast if you're not listening to a lot of music right now. Sure. Hmm. Also, f- feel free to check your Spotify or something if you need to. I always pull my phone out around this time. <laughs> There's a song that like I is my jam, but I would get the artist name. Uh, I'm but Hang on one second. Yeah, do it. You're fine. Mm-hmm. OK, I'm back. Um, what do you got? Okay. First, my jam is The Truth by Steven Sellers. Oh, hell yeah, it is. No, um, <laughs> actually, like I haven't been, like I've listened to a couple records over the summer, like Dua Lipa's record's great. I run to it all the time. But Anderson Pack is an artist who has a song called Lockdown. Do you know that song? My man, yeah. Dude, that song tripped me up. And I'm like, this oh, yeah. is art. And so I listened to that over and over and it's sort of been like a schooling of like showing you that like, you know, the lyrics that come out of you about the experience we're in is easy to be like, you can't say that. You can't say this. But that motherfucker like is speaking from right here. The truth. Oh, he's the man. So that song, like I listen to that with full on chills every time I hear it. 
Um, so that song, Lockdown, uh, Anderson Pack. Um, mm-hmm. Have you been jamming the single version or the one that they did for the music video with Reason in it, the rapper? The single version. I haven't heard the, oh, yeah. the other one. Oh, check out the music video. It's really cool. There's like an extra verse by Reason. He's on um, TDE, which is the same record label as Anderson Pac, and it's just, it's killer. Mm. Nice. Yeah. There's also a, a song called um, Loki. Loki F2020. Uh, Have you all heard that song? 2020. Yeah. yeah. I don't know this song. But <laughs> there are, those are three girls based out of Nashville, actually. And so they wrote oh, cool. that song and it's blew up, you know? And so I, I it's interesting because I don't want to like write to like cop off the quarantine or the virus, but like definitely mm-hmm. the artists and songwriters that have been able to like sort of capitalize the story around this time is interesting and well you need something to get through for sure for sure yeah yeah and i i think you know real quick not to divert but like i have gone back to watch there's um this lady who was the oldest holocaust survivor she died at 109 years old her name was alice summers and she was a pianist and they actually made a movie about her called the pianist but um but she played during the Holocaust in the artist conservation camps, okay, she played Chopin from memory. And so she would play three concerts a day, just piano. And everyone would come to hear her play after they had had two black water coffee meals a day. So they're literally just, their bones are deteriorating. You know, it's, that's all they had twice a day. They would come to hear her play Chopin, Beethoven. And I went to watch this interview with her before she died. And she says, where there was music, there was God. And life was beautiful that it got to, I got to allow myself to experience it during that. And let me tell you, friends, to watch something like that. And, you know, she and her son were held by, you know, German Nazi soldiers that slept above them and below them. And so any day she thought they were going to be executed. And at the end of this all, they, they released them both because she played music and they were so moved by her art, you know? And so it just reminds me that music island of, of, of peace of something that doesn't have life that you bring into life. I mean, something different to every person during a time that's suffering or lovely and celebrated um, or that just resonates with people when they're sad or happy or whatever, you know? And so I, I think that is what gives me hope right now. And that's my jam for any singer songwriter, independent or large that is writing from a place of what do I want to say right now versus like, well, is this going to get me, you know, money or whatever. So I love that. All right, final question, um, and this one's an easy one. Where can people find you, Stephen Salyers, on the internet or in person? I guess I, we're not really. You, th- there's no. Um, there's no live concerts right now in Nashville, are there? No, we actually played one last Wednesday. Troy and I did for a limited audience here. You know, social distance. Everyone wore masks, sure. and it was lovely. Um, but right now. Um, my most active social is Instagram. So it's at the Stephen Salyers, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S-A-L-Y-E-R-S. But my singles are all on all the, you know, electronic social platforms, Spotify, iTunes, Tidal, YouTube, you know, anywhere. 
Um, and so my first two singles, No Interference and The Truth are on there. And then the next song, which I'm releasing uh, probably at the end of September, is called Razorblade. And it's dope. Um, so please follow and, and uh, join my journey. I would love for you guys to follow my Spotify, um, my Instagram. And I, you know, I'm also planning to launch a podcast and do lively conversations like this once a week. So yeah that would be great dude that sounds like an awesome you uh, i already said this i'm gonna double down on this at the end here okay Mm. i would not be surprised if i found you being just as famous as you should be for music but for public speaking or for preaching I i would not be surprised yeah thank you no you're welcome yeah, dude. Thanks so much for coming on. It's Honestly, my honor. This it was truly it's been a pleasure. This brought a lot of joy to my day. Yeah, me too. great. Well, I, yeah, I'm thanks, shocked man. that it's already over, but uh, <laughs> hope to do it again sometime. And uh, and oh, you all definitely. have inspired all the conversations. So it's been my great privilege. Thank you. And ours as well, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming on. We will. Uh, first of all, we'd love to come on your podcast one time and talk with you interviewing us because man i'll tell you the name of it after we get off oh perfect call because it's so relative to my life right now and it's not taken and so it's this it's just fireside conversations but um but yeah i'll tell you what it is after we hit get off all right man well thanks for coming and i will uh yeah, I will. I'll hit you up soon. This will be up on Monday, the twenty, the thirty-first. Yeah, next Monday. Yeah. All right, man. All right. I wish you all the have best. a great day. Take care. Bye bye. Make it short this time. Let's not make a long outro because we made a really long intro. I don't. I'm like just that. disappointed. You're not talking in your mic. I'm why are you disappointed, Kev? I talked to my mic. I heard people's ears. We didn't talk about chips. You didn't. Well, we didn't plan to talk about <laughs> chips. I know you plan to talk about chips. It is older than all of us, it's including in my Steven. Notepad. Hold on. Oh, I deleted it. <laughs> Why chips was in your notepad? No, I'm totally messing around. I just wanted to commit to the bit, man. You committed, and I you, you committed so hard that I got confused. That's good. Did you enjoy our conversation, dude? I was um loved it. Y- y- you know how a lot of a lot of conversations can go a lot of different ways with yeah. people and as a podcast interviewer I, I'm sure it varies. Some people probably take a lot of notes and have maybe like a list of questions. Yep. Some people maybe even do kind of a script. That's yeah. cool. We went in with nothing and we were just kind of I mean I didn't know which way the conversation would go yeah. and it went in a really cool direction. Yeah. It oh was, yeah. I was so Steven, if you're listening to this, I really thought that we were gonna maybe focus more on like your music career and your transition from like a more of a country singer to pop, but instead we ended up kind of talking about you on your like personal journey to self-love, to finding your uh reason for being on earth, um, your your yeah. belief system, right? Dude, no well, I mean we talked about him recognizing him. Whoa. Yeah. That's where that was. I really, I loved that conversation. I've honestly, I was lit up. 
the entire time. Like I was smiling and really enjoying everything he had to say. Yeah, he's and I. I'm gonna say it one more time. Say it. Great public speaker. Great public speaker. I can only he, see him like just speaking and people being like, "My life has changed." Every time he referred to us collectively as friends, friends. I like I perked up. I was like, loved Ooh. it. I wanted to. I we was, need more of that in our lives. I know. Yeah, friends. We, I felt like he meant it too. I'm like gonna, he wasn't just saying it to say it. You're so right. No, yeah. that that comes from him. That comes yep. from his soul. Yeah. So. I want to thank you all for listening again to the Upstate Coffee Collective podcast. Next week, we're talking about chips. Friends, thank you for listening. Have a great day. See you next week.